Ehlers with a quick swing pass. It's Keaton Mitchell at the sideline. Across midfield. It's a foot race. And Keaton Mitchell has gone. And Hooker can't take a sack. Double clutches. Throws. It is caught. Did they get the timeout? Through McCoy. Finn. All kinds of time. Gonna take a shot deep middle. What's going on, everybody? This is uh, Chris K from the Burning the Red Shot uh, Red Shirt Podcast. Let's go, good start. Yep, yep. This is why they don't let me do it routinely. <laughs> and uh, here with Andrew, obviously, with the snarky comments. So we're already in prime form. Uh, coming off what people are considering the greatest college football weekend ever. At least maybe in a combination of fantasy plus actual games. What did you get to watch? I know that typically you don't get to watch everything because... You have a family and you like being yeah, a good I would, father. I would, so. I would argue against that because the 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 only good night game we got was USC Utah, right? I think that was like the, that game, and that game was premier. It was really good. I, I watched almost all of it, but I was getting over another round of the endless cycles of uh, baby germs that my life has uh, become at this point. So I was, and I was trying to drink through it as well as one does. Uh, so I was so dead by like the start of the fourth quarter of that game that I just had to give in and go uh, like lay down and knock out. So I didn't, I didn't catch the end of that game. But if we're talking about my version of the most optimal, the best weekend of games ever, uh, there's got to be more going on at night than just one one game. Like everything was stacked into that 3.30 window pretty much, right? So yeah, I mean, then- it's, it's great in a lot of ways, but I, I like things a little more spaced out. Yeah, the noon was awesome. For I mean, noon slates are always kind of interesting. They don't usually have like the big, big games, but the three thirty slot usually does because you get like the end of you get to watch endings of games. It's kind of like the NFL. There's like this window where at like four o'clock hits, right. and it's like, oh shit, here comes like a great thirty minutes of NFL. I'm not a big NFL guy. Like obviously, I watch it and I root for the Lions, which is probably why I'm not a big NFL guy. Um, but like that thirty minute window is about as good as it gets. But uh, I mean, I don't, we don't need to, I don't think we need to dig too much into these games. So many people have already done it. I do Maybe. love how the, the three thirty games, what you, what you are talking to the, the witching hour or whatever that we see that window with NFL that you could see that thing leak until like eight thirty, nine o'clock with the three thirties and yeah, all your journalists and all your fucking weirdos who like to, to bitch and moan about the, the, how long the games are. Don't love that. But I love that shit, man. Like I'm at, that's when my night's actually getting started. The kids are, kids are out. I'm showered. I got all my chores done. I'm finally starting to crack some drinks and I'm catching the end of these awesome games that are dragging into their fourth and fifth hour. So that, from that perspective, that, that was pretty optimal for me. I caught uh, most of the end of the TCU Oklahoma state game. Like it's so obvious watching some of the, you can't even call them highlights, but the, some of the most important plays from that game, like that sand like spencer sanders is just so messed up everything every time he has to make an actual throw and get any real velocity on it it's underthrown by and it just like I, they haven't said what his injury is but like it, it's something with ribsy right like I, i'm pretty sure that you could I, just you could just pick up like that dude is not able to get the arm into the ball that he wants to and it, it played out pretty in, at the most important and unfortunate times for them uh but and then I caught – I was flipping back and forth between that and Bama. We uh, – uh, I'm not quite so uh, northeastern liberal elitish that I have multiple TVs and such in a single room. So I, I, I do actually have to flip back and forth. So I caught um, – I was watching Bama, and I, I was rooting actively and with, for Alabama. And I was stoked when Kool-Aid made that pick that, that they then uh, threw that flag on and then things uh, just kind of went south from there because – Going to the the Aga Tennessee game in a few weeks, it would have been nice to be able to get tickets for less than seven hundred a pop. But uh, now it's very much up in the air which of my friends, including myself, are actually going to make it to the game because we're in such a hole already. Paying for a flight, uh, hotel, or not even a hotel, like a um, just like an Airbnb or whatever, doing tailgate the right way, like, and then you're it adds like, up. Yeah, so. We got a couple shots for a loss. Um, I don't know. Can I root against my dogs to, to lose a game leading up to that? I don't, I don't know, know if that's going to help because I think 
there's not enough time for Tennessee to lose. Well, Tennessee gets Kentucky, and uh, it's true. Yeah, but one loss they, isn't going to kill that though. You know, like I, I don't know. You don't think one loss kills, uh, brings down ticket prices a little bit there? I would like. To I think, think if they were to lose close to Kentucky, they're they still a top to, ten team. They fall to Tennessee Martin this week. <laughs> I mean, if they fall to Tennessee Martin, then we're we're speaking differently here next week, but. Yeah, for those that don't know, Andrew uh, has a gang of friends that go to some sweet games every year. They go to one game a year. It's kind of like a traditional degenerate football thing, but they're good games. So, like in the past, you went to a Clemson game, right? What else have you gone to? Did Clemson A and M uh, when uh, what's his name? It, it was it was such an awful game, but the tailgate was really good during during that game. The, the Texas A and M running back who. Uh, it was like the most notable game thing in this awful game. Whoever that Texas A&M running back that was going in like the top three rounds that year snapped his leg and that gave way for Spiller to start popping off. I think it might have been Corbin, right? Corbin was uh, Corbin. Yeah, when he was at A&M, he was like projected to be the dude, and then he snapped his leg, and then Spiller kind of took over from there. But nothing happened in that game. It wasn't a good game, but Clemson was awesome. We did it right with the tailgating and uh, had like a pretty cool spot in the in the sticks, so that was good. Um, my bachelor party, Alabama, Mississippi State. When Dak was there, Mississippi State was number one, and Alabama whipped them. Uh, we went where to, was was that Tuscaloosa or was that Starkville? Yeah, yeah, that was that was Tuscaloosa. We did the worst game of all time, Georgia and Auburn, when like Sony Michelle was basically playing quarterback for Georgia, uh, and it, it was we the tailgate was we didn't we thought we set it up well, but it was like far away from everything. It was it was awful. Um, nothing was really good about that trip. Um, we've gone to Boise in the past for a Boise Hawaii game. Boise um, Hawaii is like so on brand. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, dude, seeing the uh, so since uh, what's it called Appy State Place tonight, all the mm-hmm. images of how cool Boone looks looks are like making their way around uh, Twitter tonight. Yep. I want to get there for a game at some point. Like, just this- you got to do it's kind of like Virginia Tech, I think you have to do a night game. And it's yeah. even better if it's a weekday. Like it, it's harder to do because of it's a weekday. But yeah. they say it's just like Blacksburg. If you go to a game at Virginia Tech, it has to be a night game. Yeah. It's even better if it's a Thursday night, which we play. Usually, we play one every year. It's almost always every other year at the very least. But yeah, App State looks sweet. Everything about that campus looks awesome. Yeah, like the base, even the baseball the field too. photos look amazing too. Yeah. So, um, are you nervous about Tennessee? Georgia plays Tennessee November 5th. That's like <laughs> literally the first thing I did when I saw, you know, Tennessee won. First thing I did was like, holy shit, when do they play Georgia? Like, I have to make <laughs> sure I'm not getting sucked into something stupid that weekend. So, taking taking my wallet out of the equation with respect to how many dollars are going to leave it, the main I, – I, th- I feel good about Georgia going into that. I'm very excited to – put together a lot of Stetson heavy DraftKings lineups that weekend for when I, for when I'm there. I think that he's going to throw all over them and, and hopefully get back into the Heisman race as well. He hasn't been putting up very good stats lately, but even though his Heisman candidacy has tailed off, the blueprint's still there. It's wreck Tennessee and then wreck Alabama in the in the uh, SEC championship. Stroud maybe loses a game and then you win the Heisman. So we could still do this. Yeah. Are you – I don't know what to think. Part of me thinks that Georgia is beatable, but then I remember last year, right? Like, just they were unstoppable. So, it's like – it's one year. Like, how much can it be different? So, I think they're beatable. And I think Tennessee is – they have the big plays. Uh, I was listening to Nate and Jared, and I thought it was maybe the best thing they said all episode. It was about how – Tennessee did the old Alabama on them, which was it, we're going to have a two play drive and we're going to score 80 yards. You know, like Bama used to do that on the regular the last couple of years. This year they don't have that. Uh, but Tennessee certainly does. So I'm very curious to see, you know, I think Jared would say that Georgia gives up one big play a week, which, uh, you know, he mentioned the other day as well. So I, I'm very intrigued by this game. This would would will be amazing and in the future this game will probably be at night because it won't be on cbs anymore which i forgot fun. about that yeah whenever me and my buddies go on a trip we have like part of us wants the night game for obvious reasons but then the other half of us knows 
no no one's going to remember that game if it's a night game and we're probably not even making it anywhere even five yards away from the tailgate if that's the case so it's a, a blessing and a curse i guess to some degree i mean t- tennessee was i can't remember if they were beating us at halftime last year but at minimum it was they were very much in the game close we, yeah you know, we pulled away in the second half like hooker was doing his thing so I, I'm, I'm sure it'll be a, a really fun a really good game i, I got confidence though that We'll pull it out. I think we have a, a couple really good matchups this week, and I want your opinion on two things regarding this UCLA Oregon game. The first being the Twitter poll that the account put out: If Oregon wins out, they go twelve and one. Do you think they would make the playoff? I, I saw similar polls. I voted no, um, just because I, I, I kind of love how. How f the the Pac twelve gets every year? It's like it's just a joke at this point. Um, and in conjunction with that, seeing the theories behind like three or four SEC teams in the playoffs always cracks me up, just because of how overly serious people take this shit and how that how nuclear that sends them. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, and, and I'm one of them, so I don't, I can I can totally agree with that. <laughs> but. uh I mean, they've they've been awesome, and like they've looked really great since Georgia took them to the, the woodshed or whatever. But so, what would it be holding them back? Is it the fact that there's other teams that would have yeah, one loss, or is it the right. Georgia so, game? So, it I don't know how many SEC SEC teams you want to assume get get in. I'm not as so. The betting odds, the betting market makes it seems like Clemson is effectively a lock out of the ACC. I'm still sketched a little bit, but let's just give them, let's give them the benefit. If they went out, they're in. Let's give Ohio State the benefit of the doubt and minimum one SEC team. So then you're fighting for that fourth slot and you're fighting against potentially a really strong resume of a second SEC team. You're fighting against Big 12, who will probably cannibalize themselves, um, right? I think that the writing's on the wall there for that to happen in some some way, shape, or form, but with no team to be a one-loss uh, team there. Uh, but and then you have the Big Ten team. You know, it's well, going to be Ohio well, State or Michigan, right? Yeah, you have so. Ohio. So yeah, Ohio State, SEC, Clemson, right? And yeah, so I think I would originally lean yes, but I'm just much more like I think if a team is 11 and one versus a conference champ, 12 and one, like. Perfect example would be, I would even do this with Michigan. Like if Michigan loses to Ohio State, they go eleven and one. They don't win the conference, obviously. I would put a twelve and one Oregon over Michigan. Yeah, you know, like and I, I, I kind of have that same vibe. I I think you still need to give a little bit of credibility. Now, getting shellacked by Georgia in the first week certainly doesn't help, but you know, it was also Labor Day weekend, right? So it's it's so far away. So I'm glad, you, I'm glad you brought this game up because I I follow on Twitter. I don't even understand what this account is. It's called uh, it's like it's got a, a cat as a logo and it's called like Carlos a Pac-12 fan or something. And he's a, he's a UCLA fan. He's getting into into it with some Oregon fans and some Oregon fan just comes in and says, "After Oregon beats UCLA, they'll say we still beat no one and they'll be right." <laughs> and like, wow, that's so good. I want to steal that and start using that. Um, do we do my second part of that question or second question regarding this game was going to be UCLA? Like, are we do we think they're real? Do we think it's just a Pac 12 thing? Do we think do the Pac 12 is hot or what? The Pac 12 is going to be so Pac 12 with their cannibalization this year, right? And Utah's going to find a way to hopefully end up uh, winning that thing so I can get paid out on my conference features. They have a pretty week schedule left they play out of oregon then they play stanford at or uh, at arizona state then against arizona then the other big one obviously usc and then mm-hmm. cal yeah. so i i lean hey if you're gonna be able to beat oregon like at oregon why wouldn't you be like close to a favorite or like very like small dogs against usc so did you watch utah usc i didn't i was with uh, I had some buddies come in town from yeah. out of state, and uh, we went to the Battery and watched the Braves and the Tennessee game. Nice. Um, and then we kind of went out a little bit, so we did not actually. I didn't. I I feel bad. I, I got home and I was like, 
Whoa, so I guess that USC game was pretty dope. Like, I totally missed that one, but okay. So It's so, like, I don't understand, and even having watched most of the game, I don't understand how Utah stays on the field against USC. Caleb is just on another level. That dude, like, it's not just his running. Like, it's not even just his passing. He's just, he totally has the it factor, and it's just so obvious. USC's biggest problem, I think, is their entire success is built around like three or four people. All the other transfers and everyone else on the team that was there before these transfers came in is so decidedly average. Uh, it's basically it's Die, it's Caleb, it's Addison, it's Riley. Mario Mario Williams is fine, and everyone else is totally average. So Addison getting hurt changes the total the complexion of the game. Obviously, like he's a Blinnikoff winner, but. It's 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 crazy that we, for a good reason, I think we think about them in the same conversation as like top five teams. But relative to most top five teams, they just break so much easier. I think. Yeah, um, I think I think we would all agree that if there's a top ten team to lose to a complete random team, it would be them, right? Caleb Williams is amazing. And he knows, like, I watch him play, and I'm like, he knows he's an NFL prospect. (laughs) Because the way he runs and scrambles is the perfect, like, way to say to somebody, like, to a QB and be like, yo, you need to save yourself for the NFL. I saw him get, like, almost, you know, like, when you get close to a pile and you almost get rolled up on. Yeah. You see that happen all the time. I saw the game against, um, what was that, Washington State, and he, like, he saw it coming and did this like foot dance thing to stay away from it. And then he awkwardly fell on his butt. And it was hilarious. It was like, he knew it was coming and he's like, I'm going to look like an idiot. That's fine. But I'm going to secure my top five pick here. And then he like scrambles and he'll take, you know, he takes like the negative one rush yard over like the incompletion. It's just so good. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I think that's a really thin team. I mean, they're going to score a ton of points. Their defense is pretty average at best. Um, so we'll see what happens with them. I, you know, I think it's the, it's the PAC 12, you know, totally. yeah. it's a, it's a tough world where you see a lot of random stuff happen. Uh, did you see the stuff about Tavian Thomas from Utah? Motherfucker, dude. I, I have him on way too many teams and it, it was also like in a lot of ways predictable, but at the same time, I just wanted to like buy into this dude's talent and buy, buy into a, a lot of the good things about his backstory. I mean, he was basically living out of his car uh, while he was at Utah, like just tearing it up on the field, like pretty much homeless and shit. So there, I assume we don't know the whole story with a lot of what's going on with him, but just based on what we do know, how do you not empathize with him and feel very negatively about Kyle Whittingham? Like how the idea that like, so his Tavion's aunt dies who basically raised him. He goes home for the funeral and you bench the guy and suspend him for a half as punishment for that. Like that is the only conclusion I could draw based on the information we have available. And if like you, people are going to form opinions. I'm not going to not form an opinion just because you don't want to give me more information. Right. So what, how can I blame him for something like that? Yeah. It doesn't make him look good. Right. Like, there's so much reason for him to say the truth and be like, look, he skipped class too, or he did that, this, that, and the other. And that's why he isn't playing the first half. But like, otherwise, like, why would we not think that he's just an asshole for doing all that? I mean, it's what a tough background, man, that you hear that all the yeah. time and you, you, you can't blame him. I think during the game, he, what he took like all his stuff off and went to the, the locker room type of situation. So dude is, is incredible. He has he came into the season with ridiculous upside and then he just it just kind of be it's kind of like it almost like it's run its course. It's like, why do we even do this? You know, like clear the whole stuff they did like three weeks ago with like the backup quarterback getting snaps at running back, like what a shove in the face of Tavion and every other running back. So Yeah. I mean I'm I'm sure there's more to it. Yeah. A, like, a likely outcome, right, is that he's probably got some, he probably has done some negative uh, things that have uh, off put him. So there's probably that side of the story and whatnot, but it still sucks. 
shifting gears here a little bit, what are your uh, what are your thoughts on those that say Texas is a top five team? Go. <laughs> top five feels aggressive, uh, right? They've they 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 almost lost to, to Iowa State, so that, I mean that's kind of somewhat of a, a black mark uh, for them. Um, I, it comes from the Ewers, the Quinn Ewers. Yeah, you know, I mean, performances, right? Yours is incredible. And they, initially, I was I was super, super interested in utilizing the, the vantage point of well, what if he didn't get hurt and then they beat Bama? Do you but, think they? I mean, we probably touched on it. I mean, they yeah. beat Bama with yeah. Yours. I think yeah, I think they right. would have, but I don't know, Tennessee just beat kind Bama. of how football goes. You know, yeah. Bryce Young got hurt and Bama one without him right so is um (laughs) is this like the worst top 15 matchup like the most boring slowest worst top 15 matchup ever and of course i'm talking about syracuse and clemson it's a great point i so i i haven't looked at syracuse box scores that much lately but am I getting off easy on fading Schrader? Like, is their pace and is there the way that they're playing games not leading to the scoring output that you would think from him? Or is he still, is he carving it up? He is just a pure volume guy. He hasn't really killed it. I mean, he's getting like 20 points on the regular, but yeah. he doesn't have the upside. They just don't play fast enough. They don't move it quick enough. They don't, they're, they're like a really good ball control offense and Clemson's a really good defense. Like they're two touchdown favorites. <laughs> so they're not really projected to score much. I think <laughs> the proje- the score is like 18 to 32 or something yeah. like that would be the projected score. So like it's hard with Tucker too, right? Tucker can blow up and steal everything as well. The over under last week in Syracuse NC state was like 42. And when I saw it, I was like, Oh, easy over. I'm like, and then I'm like, I thought about it for a second. I'm like, wait a minute. Every time you have an instinct like that, it's always wrong. So just don't do anything here. Uh, and then, of course, it was like 24 to 9 uh, as final score. So, um, yeah, I, it's, I, it's, there's such an interesting, I don't know if case study is the right word, but I don't think when we thought about the different outcomes that could happen with Syracuse this year, I don't know if this was one of the ones that we all had on the table, right? So one outcome. Traders a disaster because he can't throw the, the football. Things kind of blow up from an offensive perspective. Maybe he gets uh, pulled, and uh, who knows where things go from there. Door number two, the offense clicks with Robert and I. Uh, he, Trader is basically Taysom Hill. Tucker is Tucker, and it's just wheels up, and it's a it's a carnival every game. I don't think anybody thought, or at least I, it never really crossed for me, competency from Schrader and efficiency from Schrader in the passing game. Tucker more or less does his thing, but that isn't necessarily uh, popping on the reg. Um, Schrader's not even going uh, nuclear most of the time simply because they're just trying to uh, get out with the dub every single game and t- t- be more efficient than the other team. And like you said, play ball with control. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know why. I don't know why anyone saw, or why I would have thought that the combination of Dino Babers, Mister Matt Johnson, Bowling Green, uh, uh, Falcon fast offense, and Robert and I, he of the Taysom Hill, Brennan Armstrong uh, pedigree, right, would combine to create a super boring offense that, and team that does nothing but win ball games. So it's interesting. It's weird. Uh, one of the zillion things uh, about every college football season and this one as well, of course, that we could not, we could not and did not predict accurately. Yeah. They, they're almost built like, like a two thousands top 25 team, right? Like we're just going to run it down your, like almost like a shotgun only version of Michigan, you know, where it's like, we're just going to run the ball and F you. We'll see what happens. But uh, I wanted to, we kind of touched on big 12. I think the big 12 is, is going to literally every single week create really fun matchups that are going to be awesome to watch and awesome to use for fantasy purposes. I mean, we've kind of talked uh, talked about the cannibalizing of it, but I mean, TCU is really their only shot at a playoff team, right? Because they're the only ones undefeated, correct? Like, do we think they maintain that? Do we think uh, yeah, yeah, somebody think else that sneaks in? So you need to 
we need to call back to some of the things that we've said on this pod before. We and by we, I mean largely me, of course. That uh, the Big Twelve from the outset, the way the view this conference was, the bottom half is going to overperform, and the top half is going to underperform relative to preseason expectations. Additionally, the idea that every game is going to be a carnival—that was, I think, something that we we slash I pontificated. Uh, at the season's outset, Iowa State is doing their best to kind of ruin that, right? With their how they muck up every game, but more or less, I think it's coming to fruition. Um, but the the other angle that I think we need to hold course on is when do we see the the, the patented Sonny Dykes in season self destruction of his team? It's coming, it's, right? Yeah, it's got to be coming, man. It's the kind of thing where the paradigm doesn't shift until it shifts. It's not like, this isn't like a slowly declining curve. It's, it's all of a sudden one, one day you're seven and oh, and the next day you're seven and five. So I think that I maintain the belief that it's gotta be, it's gotta be coming soon enough. Right. Um, I mean, if there's one team to do it, it's Kansas state, right? Like they yeah. just want to just go slow. They want to just give Adrian Martinez 30 carries. Yeah. You got to, they give a five foot five guy 20 carries. Like <laughs> it's incredible. They throw it to him every time. It's incredible. I mean, that's the game, right? Like that's, it's got to be the game that they may stumble so. and then and, create that and, snowball of, of L's. Yeah. They've, and it's not like the Big 12, it's so fun especially with Kansas being uh, better this year. There's no game where you're like, oh, all right, cool. We get a break this week. It's every week is like at minimum, you're going to score 45 points to win, uh, right? Or either that or you're playing a really tough opponent. Uh, so even though they've played some of the and beat some of the teams that ha- have better records this year relative to the other, par- the other teams in the conference, that things are not easy for them on the way out. In a couple of weeks, they get uh, Texas Tech. I think Texas is still on their schedule as well. It's, oh, they have they have a route to six and six. They have a route <laughs> to six and six. Kansas State, West Virginia on the road. Texas Tech at Texas at Baylor, Iowa State. I mean, do I think it's possible? Yeah. Do I think it's likely? No, obviously not. But is it possible? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, TCU's kind of think about it, right? They've taken Max Duggan made him in three weeks if they're nine to know he's a Heisman contender the way he's performing uh-huh. and they've survived Quentin Johnston doing nothing for four weeks to becoming an absolute superstar they Kendra Miller has become an awesome running back like they're all these weird stars have aligned it wouldn't it's kind of like Kansas right it wouldn't be shocking for it to just fall immediately and ugly I agree I have a small ticket on them to win the Big 12 that I can cash out now for 4 or 5x. But it's more fun to let it ride, and that way I get a little bit of financial remuneration if uh, we're wrong. So I win either way. I'm going to shift gears completely here. You going to talk Mountain West? Uh, Not not yet. I'm going to talk a little Thunbelt and give you my opinion on something, and then I want to ask you the same question. So I'll give you a little bit of time here, but... Is there a more surprising like transfer that worked out really, really well than Kyle Ventrese from Georgia <laughs> Southern? The guy goes from Buffalo, where they only run the football. Like, I'm gonna pull it up real quick. He threw it 262 times last year, 154 before that, 172 before that, and he played a bunch of games. He's thrown it 350 times already for Georgia Southern, which is weird to think about in itself because it's Georgia Southern. And he's been pretty good. 17 passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns. I mean, the guy has one, two, what, five or six games of 300-plus passing yards. I had no idea he had it in him. Zero idea he had it in him. So your I guess boys at, Your boys at C2C were on him, Chris. They Austin. loved him. And it, yeah. But they have a weird infatuation with, like, Sunbelt, which I love and appreciate. And they come out of nowhere with some of these guys too. I'm like, what? Like well, they the, loved uh, Derwin Burgess the, too. Stole, uh, one of Kitley's like co uh, GAOC type deals, right? So it's yeah, a Helton connection too, right? Because isn't there's a oh, Helton? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. I didn't think of that. At Western Kentucky, and yeah. obviously Helton's the head coach. Yeah. Clay Helton. 
super random that he's coaching at Georgia. <laughs> Guy's gone from LA to Statesboro, Georgia. What where is state? Where is Statesboro relative like, to like other things? It's like four hours southeast of Atlanta. It's kind of close to Savannah. It is. Uh, it's about as sticks as it gets. It's, <laughs> it's a huge party school. Slinging, they're out there slinging it sixty-five times a game, dude. Incredible. But uh, yeah, they. Uh, what a surprise! Is there a guy like that that pops off to you that like you see the box scores on Sunday morning and you you see another good game and you're like, where the hell did this come from? <laughs> I don't know, man. Probably not not to that level. That one's wild. I've got Amari Jones and uh, Burgess on my fifty team team, and I I never that that team. Similar to my my team in West's uh, industry league, I've I don't have enough superstar power and I have insane depth. So all that ends up happening is I play the wrong players every single week. Uh, so Amari puts up like forty on my bench, and then next week he'll go in and someone else will. So you've been a big Amari guy for a couple of years, dude. I I was I was all over him last year because he's he I knew he was going to start at QB for the first game or two. Uh, and he, he he did. He put up, I think, one or two fantasy points uh, in the option uh, attack as the quarterback. So that was, that was fun. But it, it, it's been nice to, to own him, much more nicer to own him this year, even though he still doesn't have his correct eligibility. They still only have him at run. They never do. Yeah, yeah, they never do. Who is uh, going talking fantasy again here still? Who do you think's the number one flex, like running back, receiver, tight end uh, overall in fantasy points per game? LeBorn? No, I don't think so, but uh, that's a good guess. Israel Abedaconda. Really? Yeah, I think he's just riding the backs of that one game, right? Like, yeah. When you when you score 80 points in a fantasy game or a fantasy matchup, you got to be in the top, right? He had three, he had four points against Georgia Tech. What did, like, what do we think happened there? Because last year, everybody loved him. And with good reason, he's obviously talented. And then the offense has, is worse with no true superstar receiver and worse quarterback play. And now he's and a superstar. You've heard the the Nardog uh, commentary, though, about how stoked he is that Mark Whipple's not there anymore and how he just wants to run the ball all the time, though. So He's an I, idiot. That guy's an, an idiot. Yeah, but I love him. I, I, I mean... I love him primarily because it's fun seeing Kyle uh, write about him and refer to him as Nard Dog. Uh, but there, there's nothing wrong and with predictability and idiocy, right? I would prefer that relative to just not knowing what we're gonna get uh, from from a coach. So it's good. It's good to anytime you can get anything that's kind of representative of a known quantity and see if the, I'll take it as long as it's like not my uh my favorite team uh being the source of that um this i mean this this season that has been so yeah it's largely been one game right but what if ronnie hammond doesn't get hurt after after stealing abanacando's job week one uh then we probably don't really see much out of him the rest of the year right so that's that's kind of funny. I moved before the season. I moved to Benacanda in a dynasty league for our boy Malik Hornsby. Um, they blew up the same week. The they did. Hornsby the had same. a great game. And I I I would argue that I I, I still feel better about that. I I still like my side. I I think that we have now seen the validation that Hornsby once he gets to the G five is going to be a top ten <laughs> CFF quarterback. He's just got to. He's just got to go and make that move. Coach needs to reach out. Um, do the Nick. Do the Nick Saban sending your uh, coaches to the Louisville spring game. Someone's got to send the troops into Arkansas. Tell Hornsby, hey, come on, let's get let's get to the MAC, and then it's wheels up. Yeah, I. Um, what's funny is I think Zach had said something in our chat that like Pittman was just playing him enough to try to like just enough to keep him there for another year, which. <laughs> Felt so funny, but so true. Um, speaking of Mac and quarterback play, we have to, we do this every single week. We spend an hour on Colin Schley. So 
<laughs> did you watch him? I have a question slash thought oh afterwards, God, but a pretty good performance. Not not the Colin Schley performance that we expect, but a pretty good uh, performance at Toledo, and we, we were dubbing as the BTR Bowl with Finn versus Schley. So this was a three thirty game, I believe, and yeah, they gave him the uh, CBS prime time, CBS three time slot. I think it was. Yeah, and I forget what I was doing, but I, I started watching the beginning of that game, and then a half hour in, I had to go and do something else. And thank God I wasn't able to access my phone because I I put the game on, and they I don't know. Have you seen what happened in this game? So Kent State absolutely starts torching Toledo. They go up twenty eight seven. It's a mix of turnovers, Toledo not paying, playing any defense at all. Like, Schley has two rushing touchdowns. Cooper has two rushing touchdowns. 28-7 in the first quarter. And I, I've got all my tweets queued up in my head. Like, the Mac runs through Kent. Like, it, our, our our conference, like, Schley and me, let's fucking go. And uh, all of the rest of the game, I, I don't know what the fuck happened, but 52-31, to 31, they get outscored 45-3 to 3 the remainder of the game. And like during the during the first quarter, like I couldn't even I couldn't hear it. Like it's ESPN plus, so you can't even like you don't know what kind of quality you're gonna get. Like the, what shows on the screen in the way of like of actual like helpful graphics is very minimal. That the the announcers may or may not know what the players' names are and whatnot. But they kept spotlighting during the first quarter the like the new defensive coach for Kent State talking about that Jeremiah Johnson. He's the greatest thing that ever happened there. Like it just keeps showing him, and then his defense just goes out and. The remainder of the way gives up 45 points uh, over the over the final three quarters, and uh, I'm happy that I I'm just happy that I didn't uh, get a chance to send any tweets uh, at during that first quarter because that would have been some fun, Crody. Yeah, he got finned is what he got. You know, Finn <laughs> turned it up and, and turned it around for Zach and uh, Toledo there. Uh, I've, got, <laughs> I've got that um, I've got that dude Jerwan Newton on like five teams, dude. I, I had you ever heard of that guy before, like three weeks ago? <laughs> the Bro, amount of made-up players that come from the MAC is way too much to try to to wrangle, and he's one of them. Froten has him on the uh, Roto World G five uh, draft. I don't like that. There's no way you could tell me that dude existed before like October first. Froton is smart guy, obviously. Great hair, yeah, smart guy. But yeah, I think that's one of those situations where it's G5 only. So it's like, I don't know. Give me that guy. You know, give me the guy in the offense that might play. It's got to be, right? I know. Yeah. It, it, there was a lot of that. Relative to our, our P5 one, I, it felt like, or I, I felt like the way my draft turned out, I, I hit so many late values, largely because of what you're saying. Like there were, there were, were a lot of paths to, mining obscurity if you could just kind of find an angle whereas in the p5 like everyone kind of knows we all know right so nate uh in the c2 sleep uh c2c c2 slack c2 slate is that the, C2 the oh boy i need to re rebrand it quick. uh we do need to rebrand that one but yeah. uh he mentioned he's going to be doing an article that's going to discuss transfer portal can, uh, portal candidates and i don't want to ruin his any of that there but that should be a fun one to, to read, but he thinks that Schley has the talent to move to the P5. And he specifically mentioned Oklahoma as a Dylan Gabriel replacement. Does Schley win the Heisman his first year there or his second year at Oklahoma if he does that? Have you watched him play up? Not enough. So he has an insane arm, total rocket arm, accurate as can be based on what I've seen, but obviously like you look at the stat line last week, nine of 18 throwing like what that have happened here. And then he, like he does Mahomesy uh, like baseball throws as well, which is wild. And the dude is a gladiator running the ball. Like you can totally scoot. He's a big dude. So he's got all the tools. I haven't watched a game start to finish and I can't, I, I don't, I assume some of our, uh, audience of 15 or whatever may have caught a Kent State game, a full one. I don't understand what's happening with this team. Like, they, they rack up so many yards. They have so many weapons. All these weapons seem to be putting up yards and points from a fantasy perspective. And then you look up and they lose to Miami. They should they should have lost to Ohio uh, just from the perspective of, like, they tried so many times to throw this game away. 
um, and then the Toledo catastrophe. Like, what? I don't understand what's going on. Uh, like, the, the ingredients are there for them to just be putting up 60, 70 points a week. And it's pro- it probably speaks more to something other than Schley. I totally agree. The talent's insane, though. Like, it's, not, it's way above G5. Yeah, my thought would be that if you're moving the ball really well and you're not scoring a ton of points, it's got to be just play around the goal line, right? In the red zone. Maybe it's one of those, maybe it's one of those things where the offense is so good spread out that like with a lot of space that they become worse when they get in the around the red zone because now the defense doesn't have to look at 50 yards, they're looking at 20 yards. Yeah. So I'm curious to see there. I don't want Slee to leave. But I would certainly respect it if he does, especially if he's going to go to a place like Oklahoma. Like, major props to him for that if he were yeah. to do that. But Sean Lewis is definitely starting to get more buzz than I would like in terms of like get moving up out of the MAC and into a P five job. Who knows how 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 that plays out, especially if the team continues to not win games this year. But he he's so creative, so innovative, so you can see it happening. This could be a big week for you. With uh, Cincinnati playing SMU, there's a shot that Evan Prater gets the start here. Dude, I've, you... I've, I've re-edited him in many leagues in anticipation. You you can't be forcing uh, Ben Bryan in, uh, into play after a concussion. I think you got to go do the right thing and take him out back and uh, just kind of put him down uh, <laughs> and give Prater the reins for the rest of the year. Um, I, but, but dude, I assume you don't, do not follow the discourse surrounding – uh, Cincinnati quarterbacks as closely as I do it is very weird. Like at, at a, like a fan base level, because uh, people are people argue about Prater versus Bryant all the time. Still, like it's very unsettled. And the the, the way who is arguing for what basically? So everyone, all the journalists are rah rah Cincinnati guys, so they're obsessed with cheering Bryant on. Uh, and then uh, like a portion of the fan base like wants Prater basically. Uh, but like. Well, I, I don't understand why there's like not more discourse surrounding Ben Bryant's last game, making it into the fourth quarter against South Florida, who had just lost 63 to 10, I think the week before to ECU and the Ben Bryant led team in the fourth quarter is down to South Florida. They're losing 24, 21. And then, but he gets a concussion and then Prater comes in and leads them on a touchdown drive and they win the game. Um, like, yeah, they, that's just unacceptable from like the idea that you as a quarterback can be can have led your team to only twenty one points and having have them losing to South Florida in the fourth quarter. Uh, so, and everyone who has a voice in the team, whether it be Fickle or any journalist that has uh, I don't know if street cred's the right word, but a real audience, refuses to say anything negative about the guy. Um, I think that they just continue on access to the program and whatnot, but. It's it's I think it's more or less been pretty much what we we expect like in terms of yeah you you make some incredible throws he uh, you can put up uh, you can put up stats but it seems like for very large clips of every single game the dude is the dude just loses it uh, and is he's gonna if they continue to let him go out there and play he's gonna he's gonna cost them their season um, and who knows if Prater's good or not but I would like to find out. Yeah, I want to find out. So for those that don't know, Ben Bryant had a concussion, I believe it was, last game. And they are saying that uh, he's questionable to return for this one here. So that's why we might see Prater. Uh, I think people are definitely taking, like, the more conscious, like, safe approach to concussions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, Dylan Gabriel's. What is Prater? Is there, I should maybe say it this way, is there something Prater could do, stat line, play-wise, that would keep him as the starter or we pretty much locked into Prater going to be the starter for this one. Once uh, everybody feels better about Bryant's health, probably that next game, you know, in, in probably like eight, nine days, whenever you guys listen to this, he would then return. I think the scenario that most likely plays out is we do see Prater start on Saturday. It wouldn't be overly surprising to me if, Brian, if they jam Brian into the lineup, like I, I'm not setting and forgetting Prater going into Saturday. It's a noon game, fortunately. I am planning on rolling him out there, but I'm not counting on being able to do it. 
where like it, I think it's very different than, for instance, like Texas Tech with Baron Morton. Like it's going to be Morton. It's different. I think that it wouldn't be overly like they've Cincinnati's coming off a bye week, two weeks. That's enough time to jam your concussed quarterback back into the lineup if you really want to. I think. Um, so, but I think most likely scenario is it's Prater on Saturday. I think that from a, a skill set perspective, from a set staff perspective, I expect first couple of seasons, Desmond Ritter, I expect him to go out there, run for over 100 yards, throw for between 150 and two. And uh, they'll, they'll, I think they'll score between 30 and 40. They'll hold SMU between 20 and 30, and they'll be fun. I think after that, they insert Bryant back into the lineup. He's probably got a shorter leash. I don't, I don't know what the schedule looks like, but the paradigm – could shift a little bit though just in terms of how much it is brian's team coming out of there is the schedule week you're, it's you're- pretty weak yeah they play that they play a tough one at ucf okay. it's almost too soon though and then they play navy ecu temple and then Tulane. so like yeah. it, there's not going to be a lot of opportunity i could see maybe like you know bryant gets the job back for that ucf game it's at the bounce house and maybe he struggles the first couple series and prater was awesome but if it doesn't happen early in that game, it's not going to happen. That's fair. It's weird. Have you heard a lot of the discussion surrounding Tulane lately? Mm-mm. But they're ranked, know, which is awesome. They're ranked, they're ranked now, and people are talking about them like, can they crash uh, a New Year's Six Bowl or whatever? I they fucking lost to to our boys uh, SMTT, like, and I I don't. Yeah, they they beat Kansas State, but from a They're, they got two to three more losses on the schedule between yeah, UCF, yeah. SMU, and Cincinnati all back to back to back week. So I'm happy for them, but I, I don't really see it. Yeah. I have one finishing topic here in a minute, but I wanted to ask you something else and now I forget it. So maybe I'll just kick right to it. How much BS is it that the NFL is trying to take away our Black Friday? of all college football. Do they Dude, actually I, think I, we're going to watch NFL, a scrub NFL, probably either a Titans Jags game or a Broncos chargers game on a 3 PM on, on that black Friday. They're, they're kidding themselves, right? I saw that. And it, I, I just totally disregarded it. And I it didn't even cross my mind that that's what was going to happen here. There's zero chance. I, I give any consideration to the NFL. Dude, that is one of our top 10 slates of the year. The black Friday slate. It's beautiful. It's that is the, like, not the start because the start is the egg bowl, but that's the you can consider that the start of championship weekend for CFF, right? We always get we always get like uh, Texas, Texas Tech, uh, Arkansas, LSU uh, during the day. We get uh, we get Civil War, we get the Apple Cup. It's great, man. I mean, I'm there's nothing you could say to make me uh, even want to get near NFL programming that day. Yeah, I'm 100% watching Utah State, Colorado State instead. Like, there's, I, I, I'm watching like it or some shit, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> even better. Yeah, nine local or ten local, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know, I'm watching Nebraska, Iowa as well, right? Mm-hmm. They start at maybe at one just because to get a little yeah. fancy on ABC. Um, I did want to ask you, you're with all these these teams looking really good. There, you see a Tennessee team up there, obviously Ohio State, Georgia, et cetera, et cetera. Besides Michigan at one, give me your two through six in the college football rankings. Starts with Michigan, and then who's two through six? Michigan, Michigan one, obviously. <laughs> two, you got to put the JRPs up there. I think uh, coming off of a seven touchdown game this past weekend, okay. I think they're clearly playoff bound at this week at this point. Utah State finding a way to get, get get there with QB4, right? So Bonner's dead. Um, Cooper, Cooper, like my boy Cooper Lagarde, did you hear about this? How he had, he's, he led a touchdown drive in the first quarter, and then he comes over to the sideline, and, like, he's clearly concussed. And they're like, well, what happened? He's like, ah. they're asking about all these plays. He doesn't remember anything after the play where he got, like, kicked in the head, which was, like, the oh. first play of the drive. There were, like, ten plays. Wow. After. And then Levi comes in, and uh, he hurts his ankle. Or something. He tries to go back in. He can't. So they're on some kid who uh, I think he's on scholarship, but he. Um, they're like, yeah, he got here late in the summer. Like he hasn't gotten any practice reps. So of course they still beat Colorado State last week with him playing like sixty uh, percent of the snaps. But I would, dude. This is like 
So why they they play at Wyoming this week and they opened as only three and a half point dogs and I was get I was thinking about just throwing everything on Wyoming and I was like this is how like this is not like this is how I lose all my money always like just zeroing in on like this one thing that is so important to a game and basing my decision around that one thing I'm like that so I, I initially put a lot down and then cashed cash out because I was like I know how this ends um, but yeah Utah State's number three. Um, I'll go. We'll leave in the top four. Uh, I would say, I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. Do we? I think we have to give Dykes credit, even though we know that the slide is coming. I don't know. Maybe Andrew froze on his. He, he said something about positive about Dykes, and and he froze, so he might be gone here. Just to give a uh, little heads up on the Utah State State quarterback situation that we all care about here, Andrew, as you work to get your uh, connection here wrapped up. But so the guy's name is Bishop Davenport. He is a former three-star freshman quarterback from Texas. So that's intriguing. But looking at their the Utah State team page, seven different people have thrown a pass, and I find that absolutely incredible. But that's neither here nor there. Andrew's working to get it, so we'll probably have to cut this out. So let's see what we got here. And Andrew is back. What did you you said something nice about Dykes and you were gone? I imagine I, that's corner. You didn't, you didn't hear where I where I uh, I gave my my sentiment that he, uh, he we can keep them number five for now, even though the the decline is coming, and I still hold uh, ill will against him for not starting his best quarterback. Uh, but we can keep them at number five for now, I guess. And then n- number six, oh, man, it's tough. So we were we're already represented twice in the G five, which is nice, right? Of course. Michigan's number one. Dogs at four. I don't know. I think it's good to wrap on five. A nice round number. Yeah. Um. Well, very cool. I mean, I was just uh, I gave a little bit of a spiel about Utah State quarterbacks trying to save you here. So the guy's name is Bishop Davenport from texas three-star quarterback and uh i had also mentioned that seven different quarterback or seven different guys have thrown a pass for them this year which looking at the stat sheets just hilarious to me to see seven deep uh never a good sign and by the way i think Legat and levi williams are considered day-to-day so maybe don't hammer yeah, wyoming it's, yet it's, like, it's coach uh day-to-day all righty well we're gonna keep it within that typical hour here but uh appreciate everybody hopping on Uh, Make sure you follow us, like us, all that good jazz and all that fun stuff. And uh, we'll catch you guys later.